The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina, and I'm joined by one of the finest fantasy baseball analysts around, Scott Chu. Scott, how's it going? I'm sure a lot of people were disappointed when that was the name that came out. Like all, <laughs> all these great fantasy analysts, but this is the one I got. Uh, no, I'm I'm doing I'm doing good. Wife's been gone for a little while, so it's just been me and the animals, and. Uh, the cats are fine with it, but the dog is getting real sick of me being the one here and not her. Cause she's the favorite. And like now I think she's just trying to like sleep her way through. You guys can't see her behind me, but she's trying to sleep her way through. Uh, however long my wife will be until she comes back. Yeah. But the dog is keeping an eye on you. Like you said, right behind you right now. Right. Oh yeah. Keeping me honest. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. And probably going to report back to the wife. Oh, oh, I mean, I, that's that's been the assumption the whole time. <laughs> okay, so you have a big weekend plan. You, so you're going to a Tigers game tomorrow, right? Taking the yep. sun? Yeah, and this is his first professional baseball game. Oh, that's um, great. We've been to some Northwoods League games, which are, uh, it's a wood bat summer league for college, uh, which is cool. And, like, big players have been in it. Uh, and, and those are nice because, like, he went to one when he was much younger, one he's a little older. Um you know, it's easier to get foul balls. It's, um, you know, it's like a lot more approachable. It doesn't matter if like, you know, it's only so big. I was, you know, last time we were there, it was like with a bunch of friends. So like I can go up and get a drink and just say like, Hey, can you watch him for a second? Uh, but he's not been to Detroit yet. So okay. he's, he's really excited. I'm really excited. It's going to be a cool experience. Um, the only problem is it's going to be hot. Oh boy. It's okay. hot here in Michigan. It's been nineties all week, humid, so, um, hopefully, you know, like we're bringing a little neck fan to keep them cool mm-hmm. and, you know, we'll, we'll get through as much as we can and just accept the fact that it's going to be really hot. Yeah. Well, that's awesome though, that he's has experience of, uh, going to his first professional baseball game. And I think they're playing the blue Jays, right? So that's, that's an awesome game to see, right? It's the blue Jays. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, it's the blue Jays. And actually we picked that game because, um, like it was, I had choices between that and the angels mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, ah, do I take him to see Shohei Otani Shohei, yes. uh, or do I take him to see a bunch of dingers? Uh-huh. And I, you know, I went, I went with the dingers because like, you know, again, what if Shohei's off that day or mm-hmm, something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, he's going to get to see a, a bunch of hitting and that'll be fun. Yeah. That's awesome. So enjoy yourself uh, and hope the Tigers win for you and your son. 
so uh, let's get started. Uh, been a, a kind of a quiet week overall, right? But uh, here's some main headlines I'll just throw at you. And uh, Kenta Maeda, uh, twin starting pitcher, is going to have elbow surgery. They're not 100% sure if the surgery might lead to Tommy John. So I guess once they open them up, they'll, they'll figure out if they need to do a full Tommy John surgery. And uh, TJ Anton, uh, Cincinnati Reds, uh, some were thinking that he was going to be a starter, but he spent just the entire season basically in the bullpen. Uh, he's headed for Tommy John surgery as well. Reese Hoskins season ending surgery uh, to repair an abdominal tear uh, was on pace for a 40 home run season. I was surprised to see he had, I know he's a power hitter, but you know, sometimes when you don't look at a, a player's specific stats, I was surprised to see he had 27 home runs already. And uh, Jack Flaherty, unfortunately, back on the IL, had been on the IL with a severe oblique strain, uh, now has a right shoulder strain. So uh, news that broke today, we're, we're recording this on Saturday, just about 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, the future Cleveland Guardians sent slumping reliever James Karinchak down to the minor leagues, leaving Emmanuel Clase as the team's primary closer, as he's been basically for quite some time now. And uh, been a bunch of closers that have been slumping lately there, Scott. We got Matt Barnes. Sox is saying that he's not going to pitch right now in high leverage situations. Uh, so it looks like it's going to be Adovino. Yankee closer, Araldis Chapman. By the way, my Yankees, 13 wins in a row. Uh, still trying to find himself and the plate. And uh, even uh, A's closer, Lou Trevino, has also had his issues uh, lately. So just start with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, let's start with your Yankees and Aroldis Chapman. I think the biggest bummer is that, you know, at least since I was paying attention, which was uh, last Sunday, the 22nd, uh, there through like, you know, Sunday through Friday, he had one save. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, right? Like you think a team that won every single game that week <laughs> would have more than one save, right. uh, but um, it, it just didn't work out that way. Wandy Peralta got a save. Um, you know, a middle reliever sort of randomly, uh, Loisaga got a, you know, he got a win. It's, it's tough. And it sort of goes to show you that like, just because a closer is on a good team doesn't mean week to week, they're going to get a bunch of saves right. because some of those wins are going to be too big, mm-hmm. right? Some of those wins are going to come, um, you know, in weird situations where there's not really a save to get. And so, you know, on one hand, I said like, I can't believe you only got one save on the other hand not many players got more than one save in that time, right? Like in those, in those six days, I think one, right? Like Jordan Romano got Mm -hmm. two. And I think every other person who got a save, Oh wait, Nope. Will Smith of um, Atlanta. He got two. And maybe there's a couple more. I think maybe Josh Hader, but like, you know, it's a very small number of guys, Jake Mm -hmm. McGee, like four guys got multiple saves in those six days. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just not something that happens very often. Uh, So, you know, it, that's tough, but also it's not something you can do anything about, right? Like the only other real, you know, fantasy relevant piece that I've ever been after in New York is Loisaga, just because he gets you a lot of quality innings, but in a 10 or a 12 teamer, it's actually really hard to roster a middle reliever unless it's like daily moves right. and you can plug him in when like you don't have a starter to go, mm-hmm. right? Because he often is, uh, he often qualifies at both starter and reliever. So he's someone to keep an eye on, not to take the job, but to get saves or wins uh, in the absence of Araldis Chapman. And just because he's had really good ratios this season, he's pitched quite well. So mm-hmm. then you talk about like Adovino. He's definitely the closer right now. Um, the 
you know, the Red Sox have a lot to play for. And so they can't really wait around for guys. Uh, and they can't, you know, like they, they're not super committed to Matt Barnes, right? Like we right. actually, when they signed out of, you know, we thought he'd be the closer cause they gave him some money. Yeah. Right. So yep. uh, I do think, you know, he started off really rough and I, I think that he can come in and be better. I think the, the saddest news in some sense was TJ Antone. Cause I know a lot of writers at pitcher list have been very excited about him. Yeah. Uh, but the, you know, and you know, it's tough to see him go down for the rest of the season, but at the same time, like that was already a mess. There's still three guys that are uh, up for saves at any given time right now in yes. Cincinnati with Givens and Lorenzen and Amir Garrett. So we'll see how that goes. Um, it's, you know, it's a crazy, it's a crazy time right now, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get saves. And, and I really think it's just sort of goes towards what we talked about, uh, in prior podcasts and that's play the schedule, look for teams who have a lot of winnable games and just see what happens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There, there are guys that are out there that are, that are widely available and that will get saves. Even if it's not a ton of them, they will get them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's big. And then you'll just uh, touch on one last injury note, you know, a bummer about Kenta Maeda. He was a guy I was really high on. He was a guy who was finally starting to turn things around. His his ERA after the all-star break was like 3.69, which was a lot better. Finally getting uh, some, some value back there. And now he's gone. Yeah. So, so that's a big bummer. And you know, it's, it's always rough to hear about guys getting hurt at this point in the season because it doesn't take much to have a season ending injury. If a right. guy's going to be out for three weeks, we're starting to talk about season ending injury for all mm-hmm. intents and purposes. Sure. So, yep. mm-hmm. you know, that that's a mindset I think a lot of people have to get into is like 10 days is a significant portion of the remainder of the season. Right. Like significant. <laughs> so just keep that in mind when a guy goes on the IL, you have to start making a decision really fast. Is this someone worth holding on my IL? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, hopefully uh, my Ada's surgery doesn't turn into Tommy John surgery because then he'll miss all of next year and, and- potentially part of the following year as well. And and just a, a quick note with, with closers, we know that just in general, baseball players, it's just part of the par for the course, right? Slumps and hot spells. And just when you're a closer for a team, it's just magnified. So it's, it's really a, a tough situation. And with the Yankees now that Zach Britton on the IL and, and like you mentioned, Loesiga, He's my favorite reliever in place of Chapman, but you also have Chad Green, and then you mentioned Peralta. It's just a lot of different options. So uh, I think it's good advice on your part to take a look at a, a team schedule uh, when trying to determine potential save opportunities for that particular team. Uh, and, I mean, just a quick note on, on Karen Shack. I won't take long here. But yeah, like, yeah, sure. The volatility of relievers is a very, very real thing. Yeah. And Karen Shack, in his pro career, uh, was, I mean, in 2019, 2020, electric, like unbelievable, like Josh Hader type stuff. But we saw it start in 2020. It continued this year. The walks, the walks were a problem, but he wasn't giving up home runs uh, that much. And all of a sudden he was, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he did a really nice job limiting home runs last season in 27 innings. And then this season in 51.4 innings, the home run rate went way up. And that's just the volatility of relievers. They don't get a lot of chances to make up for mistakes. Right. So a guy like Karen Shack, like in a dynasty, I think you still got to hold because this is a closer, mm-hmm. right? Like he is an elite relief pitcher. He will close again at some point. Like, and I mean, so is class. So, you know, the, Indi- uh, the guardians have a weird problem here, but you know, it was weird, you know, sort of remembering that one, he actually had options left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then two, that like 
he, I mean, I don't think he comes back this season to close, but we are going to be talking about this next season because sure. with that kind of stuff, they will discuss him as a ninth inning option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the start of the season, it was uh, Karen Chack and Clace. They were co-closers. Uh, and like you mentioned, I mean, Karen Chack was pitching lights out just like Clace was, but uh, right now just going through a slump. So, uh, so we're getting to the nitty gritty. This is our last podcast for the month of August. Uh, this is our 25th podcast. Happy anniversary there, Scott. I know you were on a podcast <laughs> with Bubba, uh, episode 396. Uh, yeah, we have a little time before we get there. We're but, catching uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's hearing footsteps, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, this time of year, uh, we're going to start seeing some uh, names that we don't recognize when we look at box scores, right? Uh, I heard you had mentioned Lars Newtbar, right? The Cardinals, Alfield, they're just... A, but the rosters are going to expand starting September, but it's not going to be expanded to 40. It's only expanded, I think, to 28, right? Yeah, something like that. It's less than before, which is kind of nice. Like, mm-hmm. when they expanded it so big before, it, like, it wasn't doing anybody any good except for, like, come sit in a major league clubhouse for a while, mm-hmm. right? They weren't playing, um, especially if they were on a play, you know, a team fighting for a playoff contention. So, uh, you know, it makes sense that they changed that. But, yeah, it's going to mean that um, – We're going to see names we're not used to seeing. We're going to see lineups get shuffled around more than we're probably used to. We're going to see more like random pinch runners and pitch hitters than we're normally used to because teams have the guys available. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And you had mentioned before when you were talking about Maeda, sometimes at this time of the year, we just have to make sure that we're not holding on to players that aren't going to have an impact the rest of the season. I mean, like, Look, fantasy managers who held on to Chris Sale are reaping the benefits right now. But, right, uh, we, we had kind of touched upon this last week, but Luis Severino, Thor Syndergaard, uh, at this point, you know, they could come back, but they're probably not going to make much of a, a fantasy impact this season, potentially, right? I mean, is Severino going to give you – how many starts could he give you? And, and if he is starting, how many innings is he going to give you per start, right? And we still have some big – Pitching names on the IIL with uh, Clayton Kershaw, Shane Bieber. I think he's on a rehab assignment. And Jacob DeGrom. I mean, these big names still on the IL right now. Yeah. I mean, again, it's really tough. And I think for anyone who's in a fantasy playoff situation, the first thing they have to think about is, can I get to the playoffs with this guy in my IL? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, God forbid, on your bench because you don't have an IL. Right. Like, can you even get there? Severino is probably looking at two starts. Right. Like Syndergaard, I don't even know if he's going to start. Right. Right, Like I wouldn't be shocked. He might, he might be in relief. So Mm -hmm. it's a really tough situation. And I mean, like even for folks that held Chris sale, like there's probably a lot of folks that had to let him go because they couldn't hold him anymore. They Mm -hmm. needed that spot. So, you know, a tough break if that's what happened, but like not every guy that comes off the IL is Chris sale and dominating, right? Like what if they don't, what if you waited all that time and Severino only has one average start, mm-hmm. right? What then? Uh, I, I have no issue with anybody deciding to cut those guys. Gotcha. If, yeah. if once you get to the point where it's like right now, I, I'm probably saying like, okay, if I can get three or four starts, I'll hold that. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you start getting less than that, I, I just, I don't see a lot of value unless again, you're in like this situation where, well, I've got to buy in the first round of my head to head playoffs and, and I can hold and make a decision later. I don't have to do anything like that's great. And we're all very happy for you uh, and very jealous, but 
for everyone else, you have to make those calls and don't beat yourself up if you end up getting them wrong. Just do your best to win right now. Right. Yeah. So, so what are we advocating that fantasy managers do at this stage? I mean, you know, I was looking at Fangraphs, uh, rest of season projection models. Uh, I mean, is that a good tool that that our, our listeners should be using in terms of trying to determine, you know, what to expect from uh, players that they might be looking to take off the IL or might be looking to maybe move away from. I mean, you know, I'm looking, you know, at at the home runs and it's just the typical guys, you know, we're thinking Gallo, Alonso Soto, they're looking at eight or nine more home runs rest of the season, stolen bases. Now uh, the one guy that stuck out at me is a guy we've spoken out before is Miles Straw uh, that they have uh, slated for maybe another six or so uh, stolen bases. And then I saw uh, Adoberto Mondesi's name projected for about six, but look, the guy could be a game changer if he comes back, but it doesn't look so good not right now. But uh, how would you use, or maybe you might not use these uh, rest of season projection models? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a couple of things. Number one, those models are very, are, are still very useful, right? They're not as useful as they were maybe back in March through like the all-star break. Because the thing about those projection models is they're very skill, like they're very focused on skill and historical context, right? What they're not thinking about, something we continue to talk about, is strength of schedule. They're not thinking about those kinds of things. So because they're very skills heavy, they'll tell you about players with talent. But um, if those, like, for example, stolen bases is a big one. And, you know, Marte and Turner and Merrifield, like they're projected to have the most stolen bases because they're the best space stealers, mm-hmm. right? But- it's also very matchup dependent. Now, not if you're like Starling Marte or Trey Turner, those kind, those guys like kind of get to go whenever. But what Marte is doing is incredible. With the it game. is, it is, and and Oakland needs it to win games. But also, the projection model does take in team context, but it doesn't take in like team context at this point in the season, right? Like it's not saying like, oh well, they're in a hunt for a wild card, so they might steal more. It's not doing that. It's just looking at team trends. So when you look at these projection models, uh, you should look at them for a basis of skill. And they're actually pretty good uh, at trying to give you some idea, a starting point of how many innings pitched or played appearances am I really looking at here? Now, you may disagree with them because you have a feeling about a certain player, right? But uh, what, like, for example, for an injured player, they're going to give you a pretty decent idea of what a baseline is. Now you can say like, okay, so the bad X says he's going to get 10 more innings. I think he might get a little more than that. But like, if you're thinking 25 innings and the bad X says 10, you're going to want to be like, why am I so different? What is it that I know? What, what information am I using? Maybe it's something great. Maybe you have some secret source or you have some understanding of injuries that are proje- like that projection models aren't doing well. Uh, so that's something, you know, the other thing I would really look at is um, taking those projection models one step further. I think Fangraphs does a really nice job of this and it's an auction calculator and you can use an auction calculator with rest of season values, right? So that will also give you some idea of what to expect from players, especially like, um, you know, ones who get new spots in the batting lineup and sort of have it established uh, because the projections do still update. It's not like they only update, you know, once a month, they do still update and they'll update based on lineup spot. Mm-hmm. Right. So like uh, we talked about those closers with those changes, those like Adam Adovino has more projected saves now. 
right? Like they do that, make those moves. So that can also help give you an idea of what to do with these players, right? Or if a player's move to a platoon and you're like, what kind of value is that? Like, oh, look, or if you're in a league where it's like, I kind of need a little bit of everything, like use those auction calculators and get an idea of like trying to compare a stolen base guy versus a home run guy is very hard to do conceptually. Mm -hmm. But auction calculators do a pretty decent job. Now they usually overvalue stolen bases a bit. Our own uh, Alexander Chase, um, who is on the podcast I got study hall, uh, which you should check out, like talks a lot about that, that stolen bases are often heavily overvalued, but they are something to keep in mind. And they, you know, at least they've attached some value to them that you can try to compare. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I know, for example, uh, Adalberto Mondesi, right. Uh, they project him for, uh, you know, those, um, you know, they are projecting 70 plate appearances, which seems like an awful lot. Mm -hmm. Right. And overall, they think, you know, this says he'll be as good as Andrew Vaughn the rest of the season, right? Um, I really respect the bad X, and I think they do a heck of a job, and I think they're dead wrong there, right? But I have information for that. It's not just because, like, oh, I don't like um, Adalberto Mondesi. It's that team context, Nicky Lopez is hitting, you know, hitting the crap out of the ball, yes. right? Like, he's, I shouldn't say hitting the crap out of it because he's not sending it very far, but he's sending it far enough to get to first. Yes. Right? We talked about him last week. Mm -hmm. He's doing that really well, and... He's been terrible in the minor leagues. Um, he, he hasn't played much, but since, you know, in August, um, he's just been awful. He had nine, he has nine minor league appearances this month because he had to take a bunch of time off after he heard his oblique. He has a negative 34 weighted runs created plus. Hmm. Like that's supposed to be like a percentage worse you are than average with 100 being average. Negative 34 means for these nine games, he's broken it. That's how bad he's been, hmm. right? Like, his whole slash line starts with ones, right? It's terrible, like <laughs> horrible. So what incentive do the Royals have to bring him up right now when they have a, a player they want to continue to get looks at in Nicky Lopez, who's hitting well, who's helping them stay competitive in games. And yes, Alberto Mondesi, when he plays, he's incredible, right? He has 10 games a season. He only played 10 games, he hit four home runs and stole a base, right? Like that's what he can do. But it doesn't look like he's doing that right now. If he can't do that against minor league pitching, you know, the major leagues will eat him up, especially right. a guy like him who's really dependent on making um, on making contact because he's not going to walk his way to first. So, um, I mean, I, I'm using Mondesi as an example of not like get rid of Mondesi, although if it's me, I probably would think about it. Um, it's that they project him for six stolen bases and they project him for this big impact. And I'm talking about why why I believe they're wrong. And like, you can do that. You don't want to say like, oh, because they're wrong on Mondesi, they're wrong about everything. They're not. It's because I have a specific piece of information about Alberto Mondesi, his like how he's performing in the minor leagues and how the players in Kansas City are playing ahead of him, right? Because someone has to go down if he comes up, is it you know, or lose playing time if they let Alberto Mondesi play? And like, who is that? What are they gonna are they gonna mess around with uh, Eduardo Alvarez again? Like that would be horrible. <laughs> Right, He's like been up and down and up and down. Yeah, yeah. So are they going to mess with him again? Are they going to sit Nicky Lopez? I don't see how you do that right now. He's been one of the best hitters on your team. Mm -hmm. So with that context, I'm thinking like, look, maybe things change later and I start to agree with the bad X again. But right now, as long as Mondesi is hitting terribly in the minor leagues um, and not giving them any reason to call him up and, you know, still coming back from oblique issues, which by the way, that's what George Springer has been dealing with all year. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, they're in they're difficult injuries to get through. You can disagree, but they're still like, I, I'd say all that to then say really useful tools because it's an, it's an incredible baseline mm -hmm. that these, that these folks have established, right? right? They've, they've come up with these great baselines for 
a starting point on stats and it just it gives you something mm-hmm. uh, I like what you said it's a good baseline uh, to start off with but just like when it comes to sabermetrics and you know managers who uh, you know might use sabermetrics exclusively sometimes you just gotta use your gut a little bit and like you said also use the knowledge that you've acquired and use your own analysis in addition to what the numbers are saying i think that's the best way to go but so so let me ask you at this stage of the season are we at the point where we might sit and maybe even drop you kind of alluded to maybe you might drop a guy like Mondesi some of our studs like for instance here's a guy that I know you know a lot about because he's a former Tiger J.D. Martinez Red Sox sat him on Friday night Uh, he's in the lineup on Saturday and like I said we're recording this on Saturday August 28th about 3 p.m. but his last 30 games have been awful Uh, let's see uh, 202 batting average 246 OBP 336 slug just three home runs uh, and it looks like I was looking at his splits, you know, and it looks like he's kind of swinging at a lot more pitches out of the strike zone than he used to. It looks like he's, he's uh, you know, trying to get out of his funk, but not using real good plate discipline to do it. Yeah. You know, J.D. Martinez is a really difficult guy to like try to project super hard because he's his own hitting coach. The guy's incredible. He's watching. I mean, he talked about last season how how difficult it was for him because he uh, he couldn't watch tape right. the way he wanted to watch tape in the aftermath of the Astro scandal. So he really struggled with that, right? So um, I, I it's hard to think about it too much. I will say it's obvious that he's in a slump, and we actually saw this earlier this year as well, right? Like we actually saw him slump pretty badly uh, in like you know from like late May to mid June. Right. Um, You know, if you look at the role, you know, rolling charts are still a very useful tool. They still give us a lot of context. We can actually see what he looked like when he slumped. And what you see after that is like within a month, he corrected it right Mm -hmm. now. We don't have a month, but he's already been in it for a while. Yeah. Right. Because if you look at like the thing is, if you look at the 30 days before that, they're pretty darn good. Right. And even over his last like 50 plate appearances, his, uh, you know, his expected Woba of, 293 isn't great, but it's not that much worse than MLB average, right? So um, he's a guy that I probably just can't get rid of unless he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Or I know, because like if it's about tweaking something in his approach or swing, that's all this guy does. That's all, like he's he's made a living, he revived his career essentially on his own doing exactly that. And he's better at it now than he ever was before. We mm-hmm. talked about how bad he was in 2020 and then look, like, look at his season line now, right? Like I just... That is not the type of player that I'm super worried about. Now, one that you put in the notes and that I am a lot more worried about, it's Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Right? So, you know, I just tweeted one thing about Cody Bellinger that is really alarming, and it's that he is chasing way, way more than ever before. And I'm not just talking about the season, like the full season number. I'm just talking about like over a course of 20 games, he's never been close to this kind of chase rate. Mm -hmm. He is swinging at everything. They've already messed around with platooning him a little bit. Uh, his OBP is abysmal. This was a guy who, you know, he's been, he's kind of been up and down his career, but he would walk at least. And his season long walk rate is good. But lately it's been terrible because he swings at everything. You can't walk when you're swinging at junk, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very like Javi Baez problem. Only Bellinger isn't really equipped to deal with that, right? Javi Baez has been that kind of player his entire career. So we can sort of get by with it and produce things. Cody Bellinger 
has not done that before. We don't have this like baseline of like, oh yeah, we've we've seen him swing like this before and he's gotten through it. Like we haven't, we have not seen that. So we're waiting for Bellinger to recover from something that he's never had as a problem before in the major leagues. Mm -hmm. That's scary, right? Coupled with the fact that the Dodgers can't like necessarily just let him wait, right? Like they're actually in a bit of a, yeah, they've got a tough division. Yes. Right. They've still got plenty of games against the giants left. Uh, So that's, you know, that's a really tough position to be in. And I think if I'm in a 10 or a 12 team league, especially like the Yahoo standard format where it's like three outfielders and no corner infield, I'm okay with that cut mm-hmm. because at this point, like even if he reaches a potential, he's not going to do it overnight. And how much impact is that really going to have on you? Right? Like how, how good could he really be? Especially when he hasn't been that good uh, for an extended period of time for a while. Right. He's been good, but he's not, he's not been this elite player. Mm-hmm. So that is the type of player that I'm probably willing to let go of. He's had some injury problems, of course, like, and that's something to think about, but really it's the lack of success and it's a lack of success in a way that's new. Uh, he's hitting like a ton of crappy fly balls. He's, you know, just swinging at everything. I can't stress that enough. He is swinging so much more than normal. Look me up on Twitter at if the two fits, you can see the chart. You get to see his, uh, his rolling O swing rate, his chase rate and his rolling OBP. And they just have gone completely opposite directions from the good Ballinger that we remember from like his rookie year, mm-hmm. right? Like he is, and he's almost the opposite type of hitter. That's terrifying to me. And I'm okay with cutting that, especially when you're trying to get in a playoff race and yeah. you've got like three weeks to do it. Yeah. Curious to see where he's going to go in preseason drafts uh, next, next year. He was a, basically a late first round, early second round pick in preseason drafts this season. Um, I, I see one fantasy manager on Reddit was talking about dropping him for Anthony Santander, who has a 47% consensus rostered rate as per fantasy pros. Uh, Santander has been really hot, right? As of late for the past month, batting 318 with eight home runs and 13 RBI. Is he someone that you would consider dropping for an Anthony Santana? You trust him rest of the way? Ooh, so um, maybe, right? Like, I'm obviously very concerned about Cody Bellinger, and I like what we're seeing from um, Santander, which is that uh, he's actually made some big corrections against uh, breaking balls, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, he's... He's hitting those a lot better. He was getting behind in a lot of counts earlier this season. And a lot of it was because of those uh, off-speed and breaking pitches. And then from there, uh, he was getting strikeouts against fastballs because he had to chase them, right? He had to like swing at stuff he didn't normally want to swing at and he struck out. So he's, because he's no longer falling behind these counts because of off-speed and breaking pitches, that means he gets to pick the fastballs he wants to hit. One thing we know about Santander is that he can hit fastballs really hard right? Mm-hmm. Like he can hit a ton of home runs and that's what he's doing. Now a player with his profile is very streaky, right? Um, so that's something to keep in mind, but like with Santander, I can look at things that are going well. He's make change. Like he's making changes. There's improvements. That's something I can get behind. Whereas when I go and look again at Bellinger, right? Um, he's like, he's actually struggling more against fastballs than anything else. Right. So you hate seeing Bellinger. Cause like usually you see slumps and you're like, Oh, Maybe he's having trouble with breaking balls. That's what we saw with Santander earlier this year. That's right. what happened. He couldn't get success against breaking balls. Major League pitchers throw those more often than ever, and they're better at them than ever. And Bellinger is 
Still not great at those, but it's the fastball. He's not getting anything on fastballs. And if you can't hit fastballs, what are you going to do? Right? Like, you know, he's, yeah, he's playing defense fine. And that'll keep him in the lineup on some days because he's an above average defender, even at center field. And that his shoulder problems, his non-throwing shoulder. So he doesn't, you know, he can get through it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's terrifying what I see there. And I like what I see from Santander. So would I make that specific move? I don't know. That's a really tough one because Santander can actually, you know, he can be, he can turn back into a pumpkin at any time too, but he is a guy I like, like maybe not with those kinds of stakes. Although, you know, again, I'm not sure what I'm waiting for with Bellinger. So I don't hate it, but um, he's definitely a guy that needs your attention, especially if you're looking for power. Yeah. I mean, if you have Bellinger still on your roster, you can't really roll him out there right now. Right. No, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, you need I mean, a great matchup. Yeah, and a daily league because then you know that he's going to be in the lineup. Right. Okay. Um, let's take a look at a, a few other players that are widely available in leagues, and then uh, maybe we'll take a look before we go at uh, some sk- teams that have favorable schedules that uh, our listeners should focus on. So let's take a look at Andy Ibanez, uh, Texas Rangers, available uh, in, well, just about 99% of leagues. Uh, He's first base, second base, third base eligible. Last 12 games, 477 batting average, two home runs, six runs scored, six RBI. Pretty good minor league numbers. Uh, 289, 355, 455, triple slash in the minor leagues. Another power hitting older prospect 28 years old uh what do you think about andy so one thing that makes abanias different from this whole host of others of other ranger power hitting uh guys that they have is that abanias doesn't strike out very much he makes a lot of contact uh he's doing something right now that i don't think any of those other guys are really capable of and that coming into saturday's games he has a seven game multiple hit streak look at right? that yeah. uh what's also really nice about abanias uh, is not just like the flexibility for where you can start in your lineup. He's moved way up in the order. So for two straight games uh, on Thursday and Friday, he's hit second. And I love that. Are there a lot of runs to score in Texas? No, but if you're going to score them, you're going to have to be at the top of this lineup and have, you know, Adolis Garcia or whatever, hit a home run and get you home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he puts, he does a lot of things that I really like and that's he puts a lot of balls in play. Uh, and he plays for a team that can bat him high in the order, mm-hmm. right? Like any other team, he's going to be at the bottom, but he can bat high in the order and he puts a lot of balls in play, right? I, I talk about a lot of guys I like like this. He's not David Fletcher or Luis Arias, but those are the things I like about those guys. Lots of balls in play, bats high in the order. Mm-hmm. So how many guys are like that that are available on waiver wires right now? Very few. Basically, Andy Abanez, right? And maybe some shallow leagues you might be able to find like a Fletcher or Arias. But uh, in deeper ones, it's Andy Abanez. That's it. So I, I like him a lot in deep formats. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Brandon Marsh, outfielder for the Angels, rostered in 8% of leagues. That's uh, according to Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings. Not much power, but can steal a base or two. And we could all use that, right? Been playing center field but also has experience playing the quarter spots. Just looking up that uh, Mike Trout may be a little closer to, to coming back. Uh, you know, uh, I don't see him on a rehab assignment yet, but according to the Angels, he's closer than we think. But uh, when he when he comes back, who's going to be sitting here? Is it, uh, you know, Justin Upton, Joe Adele, Marsh? I mean, Marsh over his uh, last 
19 games, 387 batting average, 449 OBP, and a 548 slug. Yeah, I mean, it's really, I mean, he's a, he's a well-regarded prospect, like mm-hmm. not quite where Adele was in his peak of prospect type, but a very, very highly regarded prospect, which is what you like to see. And, you know, he's, he's getting a chance to play. He He's playing well with it again. Trout's going to return. And right now, Marsh is sort of platooning. I mean, it's with Juan Lagares, which is an easy guy for the Angels to say like, oh, Marsh, you're hitting well. So sorry, Lagares, you can sit on the bench uh, because these are the two guys they want to play center field right now. But I, I think one of two things is going to happen, right? Uh, when Trout comes back, which I do think he will, and I do think he'll be able to do so fairly early in August, which means I do believe in holding him in in all leagues because his impact is very real. And it's not like a Mondesi, like up and down impact. It's whenever he plays, he's good. Yeah. So uh, even, even the, we all talk about this slump he had when he was rookie. It actually wasn't as bad as you remember. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Uh, he, he's, I mean, he's incredible. So one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to cut Juan Lagares and have Marsh and Adele platoon, or they're going to send one of Marsh or Adele down. Mm-hmm. Right. In either case, full-time at-bats for either of these two, Marshall or Adele, are going to be hard to come by. So uh, that's tough. But again, we've talked a lot about focusing on what's coming up soon, right? Not rest of season, but soon, which means you don't need to do anything with Marsh right now if, like, or unless you want to pick him up because he does run. And like they, the matchups for, for lefties like Marsh are actually pretty good. So there's not, they're not facing any teams that mow down opposing runners. Right. right. So, so coming into the week, they're going to have a three game series with New York in Los Angeles. And then they've got a four game set with Texas uh, over the weekend. And then into early uh, the following week, uh, Monday, September 6th. So what I love about that is they're going to face a bunch of Texas Rangers, right-handed pitching uh, late, late this week. And they're terrible. The Rangers, they can't pitch. Marsh is going to have a really good opportunity to hit there. So what am I doing with Marsh? I'm holding him for that Texas series. That's for darn sure. And then by then we might know a little bit more about Trout and then you can make a decision. But the beauty of it is I'm probably holding him. You know, you can start him if you want against the Yankees. Those aren't great matchups. But once he hits Texas, I'm probably running him out there every day because I bet he plays every day. Mm -hmm. You don't think that the Angels would think about maybe benching Justin Upton at this point and, you know, try to get as many at-bats for guys like Adele and Marsh just to see. I mean, it's not like they're going to be making the playoffs anyway, right? Uh, at, at this stage, don't you just want to see maybe what you have for the 2022 season? Yeah, I mean, you could. They've hit Justin Upton high in the order, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he led off for a while, which was really interesting. That's and when he, he was, was really at his good best. at it. Yeah. Yeah. He was really good at it for a while. And like, let's be clear every time he starts, um, this season, you know, at least since June, it's always been in one of the first five spots in the lineup, mm-hmm. which leads me to believe that they're probably not super interested in just sitting him down because mm-hmm. that's a weird transition to make. Right. Especially when these other guys have all been hitting at the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, so I wouldn't be shocked if they more like, especially with like Marsh and Adele who who can be lefty righty who have struggled with making consistent contact. It almost makes sense to platoon them and let them, um, you know, the old, like get some confidence or just take hacks that are the most helpful because like, yeah, you can say like, Oh, it's, you just need to get them in there and figure it out. But like, doesn't do a whole lot for a kid when he can't do any, like when he can't make any contact, it just mm-hmm. makes him think he doesn't know how to play. Right. 
right? Yeah. And, and I mean, we we've heard this come up with lots of minor leaguers. There's a reason that teams send these guys back down. But instead of sending them down, especially because there won't be a minor league season uh, anymore, it's a better thing to just like platoon them. And mm-hmm. then on the days they don't play, let them work with a coach. So that's that's probably why I lean more in that direction. Um, could Justin Upton sit a little more? Sure. Like mm-hmm. every point you made is accurate. Like they don't really need to see a whole lot with Justin Upton. Right. And There's he's slumping whole... badly too, but you're yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. He He's not hitting well, mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and they're, they're stuck with him next season, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they're going to pay him. They're going to pay him quite a bit of money. So I wouldn't be shocked if he plays, but that said, you know, I do think they're just going to leave him somewhere. And the, you know, the worst thing that'll happen is they'll move him down to like sixth or seventh. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's talk uh, about Jake Myers, uh, outfielder for the Astros, rostered in 13% of leagues, according to Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings. Uh, looks like he's become the Astros' everyday center fielder. Uh, unfortunately, batting at the bottom of the order. would like to see him a little higher up there, but look, that that pretty loaded lineup. But doing real well over his last 10 games. 350 batting average, 357 OBP, 500 slug. I'm a little concerned. I, I like him, and he's getting a lot of hype, but 31% K rate, 3% walk rate. Uh, looking at a little regression here, or do you do you like him? So, like, are we looking at regression? Probably, right? <laughs> but, like, that's, that's not really the question. So the first thing, so when you see a player uh, come up, you don't know a lot about him, because, like, let's be real, a lot of people probably didn't know much about Jake Myers. I didn't. Like there's probably a lot of Astros fans who did not know really anything about Jake Myers until very recently. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this is not a guy who was like this super high regarded prospect or anything, but he was hitting the ball really well in triple a. And what we've also seen is that throughout his minor league career, his strikeout rate has been generally like 20% or less. Right. So to see it jump all the way up to 30% in the major leagues. Uh, and you know, again, he was walking anywhere between like eight to 10% of the time in the minors see it drop down to 3%, what we're seeing is adjusting. We're seeing him adjust to major league pitching. We're seeing him also swinging because when he's making contact, he's making things happen, right? So I think that over long, like over a long period of time, that would balance out. He's probably more like what the projections suggest, right? Mm-hmm. These projections are pretty darn good at translating minor league numbers into major league ones, right? Like it's hard to know exactly when they'll happen, but there was a reason that they thought that Vlad Guerrero Jr. could win a batting title. Like he didn't do it in his rookie season like they projected, but it's because his minor league numbers suggested that he could be that good, Mm -hmm. right? We've seen enough players go from the minors to the majors to have some idea how to predict their talents. So with him right now, the projections say he should have a strikeout rate anywhere from like 24 to 26% and a walk rate. That's pretty average, like six to seven. That sounds about right to me. I do think that strikeout rate's going to creep down a little more and a little more as he get he gets used to like major league breaking balls and how major league pitchers are going to attack him, things like that. So uh, I do expect that. I think yeah, sure, there's going to be some aggression, but it's generally going to be in the power. He was not. I mean, he was hitting for a lot of power in the minor leagues uh, this season in AAA, but prior to that, had not been a power guy. Right. Um, you know, he didn't always like, you know, he had plenty of stops where he didn't even slug 400. Mm-hmm. So I think the power is going to fade away. But I do also think that, um, you know, he can be a useful player in very deep leagues for now. He's hitting at the bottom of the order, but it's the Astros order. Like, I don't mind in a 15 teamer having him out there as your fifth outfielder, even in a 12 teamer that has deep benches and you just need a guy who's playing. He can be the fifth outfielder. And the final thing is, 
I got, you know, just two more points on the Astros in general. Number one, he is the only center fielder on their roster right now. That 25-man roster has no other player they're interested in putting in center field. Chas McCormick went down. That's why Jake Myers is playing every day now. Uh, they've had plenty of opportunities to put Kyle Tucker in center field, and they are wholly uninterested because he's not very good at it. I love Kyle Tucker, and he is not a center fielder. Mm-hmm. Right? He just he's not he's not good enough at that position. So on one hand, it's guaranteed playing time because McCormick has no timetable. He hurt his hand. There's no timetable for him to, for him to return. So especially in those deeper leagues where plate appearances matter, he's going to get them. Although. I'm wondering aloud uh, about a player who I don't know a ton about, but Jose Siri, uh, I wonder if he's going to get a look in the big leagues. Look, he strikes out way too much, but uh, in August in the minor leagues, and we've got call-ups coming soon, and this team has no other center fielders uh, that are really available, but Jose Siri is a center fielder. Uh, He's in the minor leagues, and in the month of August, he has a 1068 OPS, which translates to a 154 weighted runs created plus in August. He's the only other one they got. I think he would struggle to really succeed in the major leagues because he does strike out too much. But come September, this is a situation where he might come in and then just start take, taking playing time from Jake Myers. So that's Love the it. one. How do you spell his name? Jose Siri. So J-O-S-E and then the S-I-R-I. S-I-R-I. Okay. Guy that I'm going to look up because we're always looking for guys like this, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's not a move I'd make in the vast majority of leagues, but mm-hmm. he's a guy that could come up and he could like, we see this with power hitters. Sometimes they come up and pitchers attack them in a very standard way and they hit a bunch of home runs right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like they can pitch around him, right? This is the Astros. It's not the Rangers. You can't just pitch around every guy. Uh, they will have to pitch to him. So I I'm curious to see if that happens at one time. Jose Siri was like a like a 50 value prospect because he's got a bunch of power and speed, mm-hmm. right? Which is a very exciting thing. Now um, he's always had plate discipline problems. So that's had him slide down and down and down because he just has big holes. But uh, he is, he is someone that when he's hot, he hits the, he can hit the ball as hard as, you know, right now, anyone in the minors. Yeah. 15 home runs, 24 stolen bases, 320 batting average. I'm interested. Yeah. And again, <laughs> the minor, like in the major leagues, like long-term, he has to make some big changes to succeed, but in the short term, he doesn't right mm-hmm. in the short term. He just needs to come up and just stay hot. Right. Yeah, Cause yeah. hot, like it's hard to put like a quantitative analysis on hot, but some guys get hot and the ball look like the, the pitch coming in looks like a beach ball mm-hmm. and they can just, you know, they can just smash it. Right. It's a real thing. If you've played any sport or had any kind of job, like sometimes you just get in the zone. If Jose Siri, Jose Siri comes up, stays in the zone, he can do a lot of damage. And while it might not be hugely useful for standard fantasy managers, it will sap pretty much all the usefulness out of Jake Myers because that's the spot they'd be fighting for is that center field job. Happened to me in the third grade uh, in a dodgeball game. So I just was just uh, catching every ball. It <laughs> it's true. It's true. Look, it only has to happen to you once for you to understand how it works. And look, I haven't forgotten. <laughs> Every, every like you know I, i'm a rec i'm a recreational league soccer goalie and there's some days that every time i move my arms they hit a ball right, right. like that, that just happens sometimes and like i feel bad for the other team because they're doing everything right and i've i've just you know i've just got the gift today right. uh, but it's a real thing that can happen and jose series a guy who has a big raw skills that if he comes up and that kind of thing happens he could do a lot of damage yeah you have before we go you have any uh teams that have some uh, good uh, hitting matchups before uh, f- for the upcoming week. So, yeah, you know, the first thing I wanted to do is look around and like who has really good stolen base matchups for go. the week. 
And what's tough is that the team with by far probably the best stolen base matchups are the Arizona Diamondbacks, who never freaking steal. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> but it does mean that a guy we've talked about before, Dalton Varsho, could get some opportunities to steal some bases. They've also, uh, Josh Rojas is another guy they've had steal bases. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they steal so, so few. But uh, if they do decide to run, because they do still need to like win games because they're human beings with pride, uh, you know, that's that's a big one. A- another team that is really not good, but has really good matchups uh, is the Chicago Cubs. So the Cubs uh, will be going to Minnesota for two days uh, and facing sort of the bottom part of that twins rotation. And then they've got four games against Pittsburgh where the whole rotation's the bottom of the rotation. So uh, a lot of really good matchups for them. And a lot of players that are widely available, like Frank Schwindel's still out there in a lot of leagues. Um, Patrick Wisdom's probably still out there. They're going to get some chance to hit some home runs. Like those are going to be guys that I think um, are out there. You know, if, if Ian Happ is out there, Rafael Ortega, like those guys could have better weeks than you'd expect just because of matchups, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'd, you know, I'd consider them over some other guys who have really tough matchups. Uh, the Colorado Rockies will continue to have good matchups because while they won't be at home all week, they are about to start a fairly long homestand. And before they do, you know, over this weekend, by the time you listen to this, will be over. They had to play the Dodgers, which stinks. But then they get Texas for three games. It'll be in Texas, but it's still against Texas pitching, which is, you know, similar to the Coors effect, right? Like those guys are really not good. Uh, and then they'll go home and while they'll face like the, you know, they'll face Atlanta and San Francisco, they'll be in course. So uh, Coors is matchup proof. So um, they're another team, I, I think with matchups that I, that I really like. Uh, and then, you know, other than that, there's not a ton that are great uh, or that are very actionable. Like the A's have some really good stolen bases, ma- stolen base matchups coming up. Cause they're going to face Detroit. Detroit does not stop runners very well, but also like Starling Marte is already taken in your league. Like, I don't know your league, but he's already taken in your league. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, so that's a really good one. Actually, the one, probably the one thing that worries me the most is actually a very bad matchup for this week. It's going to get a lot better starting next week because they'll start out in Colorado, but the giants, so they've got to face really the worst parts uh, in terms of from a hitting perspective, like the toughest parts of the Milwaukee and Dodger lineups or uh, rotations. So that's really, really tough. Like it, a lot of very ugly matchups for them. So some of the guys they have that maybe you've been using, but are not like, not the stars, but like a Brandon belt. Um, I, I'm as good as he's been lately. I'm really worried about what he's going to look like for the next week because he has really, really brutal matchups mm-hmm. on the horizon. Um, or really like some of those other like mix and match parts of this, of their lineup that you've been able to use in fantasy. I think that's going to be really tough to do for the next week. I think it'll get better, but it's going to be really tough to do for the next week. So if you're making tough weekly lineup decisions, or you are uh, just trying to figure out what to do, that's going to be really tough. And the Marlins. So the Marlins have really tough matchups because they're going to face the better parts of like, uh, they're going to face the the better parts of the Mets rotation. And they've been pitching well. Uh, and then they'll be against Philly at home and facing probably the better parts of that rotation as well. And they'll be at home, which is, a, it's a very pitching friendly park. So they're going to have a tough time as well. All right. Great stuff. Great advice. Great analysis as always, Scott. And uh, hope you have a great time tomorrow. Nothing like taking your son or daughter to their first major league game. Hopefully you'll be able to stay cool uh, and uh, enjoy yourself. And uh, let's, uh, let's go Tigers. Who's pitching for them tomorrow? Any, any idea? I haven't looked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, sh- I probably, I probably could, but mm-hmm. um, actually I will, I will right now because you know, it, it's not that hard to do. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. So let's see. That'll be the 29th. Um, 
Matt Boyd. Matt Boyd. Making you, it, you know, coming back. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not scoobble. Uh, and that's something that I can, you know, deal with. But he's, <laughs> you know, Boyd was pitching very well early this season. And mm-hmm. he's been off for a long time. Let's see what happens when he comes back. Yeah. It'll be fun. Uh, and mostly we're just going to try not to get sunburned. We're just a couple gingers going to the game, <laughs> trying not to get sunburned. So if we can do that, I think we'll have a good time. There you go. Enjoy yourself. So I uh, want to thank everyone for allowing us to visit with you. You can follow me at Joe Galena. Follow that guy. If the Chew fits, Scott Chu is the man. Uh, great tweets all week long. Follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. Uh, if there's anything specific you'd like us uh, to cover, please let us know there. And uh, follow at Pitcher List Pods. This way you'll know anytime a new episode drops for any of the great podcasts featured on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. Subscribe to Hacks and Jacks on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice review. And as always, We hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.